0: Welcome to the Inside OU podcast, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from SoonersWire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham.
1: Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been through all these years. Boomer Sooner. So Sugars isn't closing down. Now there's changing ownership. So what are we doing? Are we turning Sugars into some high rise. uh... If, stuff how, needs
0: stuff needs to stop going two stories on campus corner <laughs>
1: it, it's dangerous she's
0: got a bunch of drunk 20 year olds let's put them on a roof
1: i i, I just wanted out there i have never and will never step foot into that establishment and that is not sugars? i'm there's probably good people that go inside that place and i'm not saying there isn't but i've had a bad experience at a entertain an adult entertainment club. A sh- oh sorry. We're doesn't doesn't have to be politically correct. A strip club? Strip club, yeah. Okay. And uh bad experience at one we will never go back. But uh <laughs> I can't believe like if they make if they turn that into like a nice strip club like a nicer. Yeah. You know, nicer buffet. Hugh Freeze wouldn't know what to do with himself. <laughs> He's like hey, he was recruiting. Hey Lincoln can
0: I be an analyst on your team on your team real quick? By him is, and Tom. Is he doing okay? I don't want to make fun of him if he's still... Hugh Freeze? Yeah, wasn't he going through medical stuff?
1: I, or mean, my... I think there's always Who was a good the guy... time to make fun of Hugh Freeze. Who was the
0: guy at Liberty, the head coach? Was that him,
1: Hugh Freeze? Hugh Freeze is still dealing with something bad.
0: Well, I remember last I'm... year he was like coaching from a medical bed up in okay, the Okay, yeah, he's fine now. Okay. Oh. And they're freaking good. Yeah. He can coach. He can look at, re- he look can... what he did to Syracuse last weekend. He can recruit. He can coach. We all know this, but uh one thing on strip clubs i and this is the god god's honest truth I'm not a gigantic um fan of going to strip clubs i don't one i don't like smoke bars it like i i feel like crap the next day and i'll be honest i i don't want to pay to see see that i I'm not saying I bad a thousand. I don't bat a thousand by any means back w- during my single days, but I would just, I would like, I'll take my chances to not have to pay for stuff like that if I so want it. But I've been to sugars three times because it's either someone's birth a uh, friends of mine birthday. Yeah,
1: someone wants to go. Someone always yeah, wants to go. So
0: I'm not going to sit here and say that I've never had fun there, but I've had fun little too much fun sometimes. I've also seen some underage OU football players there. And welcome to the Inside OU Podcast. I was thinking about that. What if today... (laughs) One of them had a Logies hat on.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. Uh, Creed usually wears one, right? I I don't know if he had one on today, but I've seen him wear a Logies hat Mark Andrews wears that hat. Baker's worn that hat. I mean, uh, quite a few OU players have worn that hat. Logan's, right? So... After last week, I was in Norman, and we do not I don't have to talk about why I was in Norman last weekend, but um, I was parked right behind Logie's, and I saw that they still have the name Logan's. I did not know that that was real. Yeah, it used
0: to be called Logan's up until 2013, I think. It was Logan's when I w- was going to OU, and every time I'd go there, it was Logie's, Like for the last semester that I was at OU. I graduated in like, 2013. I just can't imagine
1: saying, man, hey, let's go to Logan's tonight. Yeah, I guess Logie's has a it rolls off the tongue better.
0: Yeah, I, they lost that, or they got a cease and desist from Logan's Steakhouse. There's that one over by Target on Robinson and 24th Westside, Norman, uh, or Cheddar's is. It's like oh, right, right next. To, it's right next to yeah. Cheddar's. Uh, so I guess they got in a little bit of trouble. But I never, for once, mistook like when one of my friends was like let's go to Logan's. I wasn't thinking, oh yeah, I'll get, I'll get the surf and turf. <laughs>
1: go get a sirloin. <laughs>
0: yeah, that sounds great. Yes, welcome to the Inside OU podcast Tuesday edition. Uh bye week is finally over and we are so happy because that was about the worst Saturday of Oklahoma college football ever in that there was no Tulsa, there was no Oklahoma State, thanks Baylor. And obviously OU was on a bye week. Tulsa's game against uh was it Cincinnati got postponed because Cincinnati was dealing with COVID yeah. issues, they couldn't travel, which is a shame because Cincinnati's like
1: a really pretty good. pretty
0: good group of five team. They might crack Texas head coach Luke Fickle. There you go. <laughs> that would people would hate that. Although he is from the he is from the
1: urban tree, people may love that.
0: Hey, it didn't work the first time. Might might not work the second time. Fickle's a
1: defensive <laughs> coach though. May may be a little bit better. But. Well, if, if Tom is
0: afforded more time, maybe he'll fire more coordinators and beg Luke Fickle to come over as a coordinator and be coaching happening. waiting. It, it worked last time Texas did it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yikes sitting no. down there in Austin.
0: Thank you all for listening to the Inside OU podcast. And just a little heads up, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We will appreciate that. It helps people find the show much more smoothly. They've probably already
1: heard it by now, but can we discuss the – Surprisement of a video on Saturday night. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Let me, let me get there. Let me get there. We're we're almost there. Um, just some worst. No, 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 no. Like, it's exciting. These are exciting times. Uh, obviously, no media corner this week because there was nothing to talk about with the bye week. I didn't want to just rehash Texas thoughts because we've already talked about that game more than enough. So, no media corner this week for you, the podcast listener, or our Patreon. Uh, subscribers who get the full interview with whoever i'm talking to the day before this podcast drops on tuesday and if you're interested in the patreon thing it's just uh patreon.com slash inside underscore ou and with that for four dollars a month you get uh the post game show keegan and i do after every ou game fully unedited in terms of if we're mad, we'll cuss and you won't hear a bleep. It's just $4 a month for that and some other cool little content I'll add there every other day. And then $5 a month gets you all that, plus Keegan's film review. So check that out. We're looking forward to TCU film breakdown on Sunday. I
1: think there's going to be a lot from this one.
0: Yes, and you brought this up to me earlier about 30 minutes ago. Happy 10-2020 to everybody.
1: It just sounds weird. Ten twenty twenty. 10-2020. It just sounds weird.
0: I don't know if the Mayans predicted, and I don't know if they got this far, but it seems like an important date. So I wrote it down in my little black book. Heck yeah! So there we go. So yes, as Keegan said, and as you've already heard with the new intro, <laughs> uh, yeah. L- let me let me just let me say this, Keegan. I think I'm ready to uh, forgive Bob Stoops. I think I'm ready to forgive. Are them. you? Yes.
1: Come to terms with that.
0: Yeah. So obviously, if you've gotten this far, you or if you didn't skip through the intro, just go back and listen to it. Um, I had a surprise birthday party on Saturday night this past Saturday. So this Saturday wasn't completely boring with no football to watch. Um, I went over to my uh, girlfriend's house uh, just to go hang out, have some dinner, and I walk into the backyard and Keegan's there bunch of uh, other friends and family are there. Tailgate crew's there. And it's about 20, 30 people. And uh, out outside, of course, socially distance. everybody was in kind of their own little groups. <laughs> so obviously it was just kind of overwhelming. And everybody wants to be the center of attention, Keegan. But when you are, it's always kind of uncomfortable, at least for me.
1: I hate, so- you, as I, you guys heard on the... Uh- Last Thursday's pod, I hate birthday attention.
0: Yeah, if if anybody throws me a surprise birthday party, they're dead to me. Well, it's it's very. I I, it was my girlfriend did such a great job, and I appreciate it it so much. You have
1: to mention she tried to plan it on OU Texas Day. First off,
0: yeah, she well that was probably needed with how, (laughs) how like tense I was. (laughs) It's like maybe I need like something, but yeah, I, I guess she invited some of my work friends first, and they were like. Oh yeah, we can't do it because my birthday was the Thursday before Texas. So obviously she was like, "Let's do it on OU Texas Day," not knowing that it was OU Texas Day. And, and like Ryan Chapman <laughs> was like, oh, uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> uh, that's OU Texas, so that ain't gonna, that ain't gonna work." <laughs> so we had we put she put it off till this past Saturday um, for my thirtieth birthday. Anyway, so. I get there, I'm there for about five, 10 minutes saying hi to everybody, saying thank you to everybody. And then I get accosted over to the center of the backyard. My girlfriend had set up a, a, a projector screen and they were just showing like Led Zeppelin videos or whatever. And Dave sits me down and says, here, watch this video. And it's like some of my tailgate friends and they like said, happy birthday, Brady. And then it hard cut into a cameo video with Bob Stoops with the audio that you heard at the uh, the uh, intro of this show, and look, Bob has no idea who I am. Okay, I was gonna He's, ask yeah. did did
1: have did you find out at all that if they told him no about anything? They, they did not. No,
0: they just gave him a script, and uh, Bob read it and kind of went off and kind of made it a little bit more personal. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me back up a little bit more. Even though I've had such strong opinions about Bob Stoops, I have never thought that he was a bad human being. I think Bob Stoops is a oh, great absolutely. human being. absolutely. I waited on him a handful of times when I used to work at Benvenuti's in Norman as a bartender, as a waiter, and he was always around like rich people that weren't s- staff members. They were just kind of like friends. They weren't very nice. They were pretty stereotypical rich people. Bob was always very personable, looked me in the eye and said, thank you, sir. You know, he was very, Absolutely. He, and then of course, all the th- stuff he did with the children ho- children's hospital. Bob Seuss is a fantastic human mm-hmm. being. And even the thing that I don't really like about his coaching in that he just hired his friends, that is not a bad quality to no. want to help your friends and your family out. Absolutely. So I acknowledge all that. Now, when I saw this video, immediately what w- went through my head was, he has no idea who I am. He has no idea that this is like a gigantic ironic joke and that made me feel absolutely terrible for him. Even
1: though he's never going to know. He's never going to know. <laughs> you know what's crazy More than likely. Though, is how much those guys pay attention to what's being said about them in the media and this and that and I'm whatever. not
0: media, Keegan. I, when You're it comes on to the, OU. This
1: podcast is on the flagship network. There is, you know what I'm saying? Like, I guarantee you. And it's just like, You know, again, I asked Lincoln Riley today. You know, joke, not in a jokingly fashion. Talking about, hopefully, I'm not jinxing you guys because they (laughs) haven't had any injury issues this year. But like his reaction got like real wide-eyed again for like the second straight week. It's like these guys know who who we are, what we're saying. Yeah, they they worry about this stuff. No, they hear and they worry about everything that's said about them and their football program. So I'm I'm sure he at some point was like, man, there's this. Who's this asshole? Who's who's this this kid? Yeah. But at the end of the day, does he? When he probably got that script handed to him to read it, he was like, "I don't." Really, yeah, he. I don't really again,
0: know. the likelihood that he knows who I am, A and B, what I thought, you know, are very, very slim. So again, I'm seeing this, and Bob is just, you know, he's getting paid to do this on this cameo thing, so he's not doing it out of the kindness of his heart. But he did say a nice message, and it did kind of make me feel like, man, I've been such a little asshole about him. So, you know what? I'm sure when OU loses their next game and it's because of Mike Stoops' players who are still here, I'm sure I might.
1: God damn it! So
0: I, but uh, I'm gonna do my best. I, like I told my girlfriend, uh, Bob Stoops died to me. Uh, whatever the date uh, was on the uh, 2014 home Baylor game, and it was laid to rest on October. What was that? The seventh, the 18th Saturday in 2020. So Bob even though you don't care about me and I don't blame you because I'm not that important, but I forgive you and I'm ready to move on with my life. <laughs> the uh,
1: <laughs> I think, you know, somebody said this to me and they're always, someone's asked me this is like, what is like, I know he's talked about a lot, but what is Brady's big problem with Bob? And I always just bring up the fact that, you know, the defense and how far the defense has fallen and how much like, time you got and t- and tradition <laughs> as well. And then you go, but then why does that make – Then someone asked me, he goes, why does that make him hate Drake Stoops? And my answer back to him was, is that it's tough to be the son of the person that has the burden of where Oklahoma's defense is at right now, like that. And they were joking, joking yes. tongue-in-cheek and jokingly saying all this. Well, but so it was – you got to – whenever I knew it was coming, so whenever you sat down, I was like, oh, he's not ready for this. <laughs> and then uh, the video played and – it was, yeah. You could hear me immediately. I was like, "That's got to be our intro." Yeah, that has to be our intro. <laughs> but uh, no, it was great. Um, but yeah, it was. I don't know how much of the Alabama Georgia game you get to watch. I mean, we watched we dive we, too deep into this. We
0: watched the first half. Um, and here's another little behind the curtain. It's Tuesday. We're recording right now at two thirty. I ended my hangover from that Saturday, basically twenty four hours ago. On uh, Monday at 2 o'clock, I felt like, oh, I feel 100% normal. Like, I had too much fun on Saturday. Uh, So we watched the first half, and I remember the first half, and I don't remember the second half because when I came to the next day (laughs) and I was like, oh, I wonder who won the Alabama-Georgia game because the last thing I saw was I think Georgia was winning, what, 21-20 at half, and then I see the final score. I was like, oh,
1: (laughs) yikes. It was yikes. I yeah, mean, and Mac Stetson, Jones throws, Stetson Bennett looked like trash.
0: Mac, Mac Jones though was a pick on the first play of the game, and you're thinking, like, uh oh, it's gonna be a good good night for Georgia and not a good second half. Not a good second half for any Georgia based sports team, which that take has already been kind of out there for the last forty eight hours. Bless their hearts.
1: I mean you hate to see it. I
0: Ryan Chapman, another little shout out to you. Uh sorry about the C- Braves. And
1: Caleb I don't know if he wants his last name said, but oh, Cal- poor guy. no, Caleb
0: Coos, we've said his last
1: name. Poor right here. guy. I mean, it's nice. all it's all he could have ever wanted. I mean, the Braves haven't won anything since like 2002. Can't catch a f- can't understand the rules of baseball in the outfield. <laughs> can't win a game 5 a year ago. Yeah, I
0: mean, Atlanta sports, Georgia sports. I mean, you've got Georgia losing the National Championship. You've got them blowing this lead at half, not scoring again. Uh, you've got the Braves blowing that blowing that series. You've got the, the Falcons with the Super, Super Bowl. And then you've got, uh you know, the Hawks, and they're just bad. Nah, but they got Trey Young. They got Trey Young.
1: They're terrible. Yeah. They, we'll see. Only one can be the Golden State Warriors, but. We
0: will see Mr. Keegan Renault of SoonersWire.com. Lincoln Riley just talked, and I guess you asked probably the question with the most like short term, like importance with the injuries. Like you told me b- before the press conference even started, because usually ask like you usually ask like the seventh or eighth question mm-hmm. in the pecking order. Um, and you told me like, please, someone ask about injuries before I have to do it. Please, I don't want to have to do it, because unfortunately, um, some somebody who works for our um, our competitor at the franchise is not involved in any of these zoom press conferences, but that person is always at the physical press conferences. And this person usually asks about injuries on the first yeah. question. So that's you, that was actual fear of yours. And unfortunately, you know, seven, eight people down, they got to you finally. And you had to ask Lincoln about injuries.
1: The, the bye week I think came at a good time for those guys. There's your injury update. <laughs> and so what is that,
0: what does that even mean? So you're talking about Seth McGowan who missed the Texas game. And I remember even like the rumors, the reports, nothing official about Seth McGowan being out for Texas was it was a minor injury. So my brain kind of told me he'll miss Texas and be back, you know, for, after the. He week. was actually cleared, and he was there. To player,
1: yeah, he could have played Saturday if Oklahoma felt that he was ready to play. Or, you know, he obviously missed practice for much of the week last week, and he was on the travel roster as well as he had been cleared to play on Saturday. So. Yeah, it was, you know, one of those things as I – my question for this week, and I think I actually got asked, was about the defensive line. And I wanted to write a kind of a game week story on that heading into the TCU game. But, yeah, kind of two weeks in a row I got left with the burden of needing the person – the, the well, person that needing to ask that question. You did have your
0: question kind of indirectly answered a few – like 20 minutes later because I think you had mentioned Isaiah Thomas was a guy that got nicked up and Mike calc. Uh, mentioned that one of the players that will be available tomorrow for defensive availability is a, is Isaiah Thomas, and I can't imagine why they would have an injured player talk to the media. And I don't know if we talked
1: – yeah, I think I may have told you last week. Um, don't want to get into specifics, but the fact that Austin Stogner was available today is also extremely important because there was some concern he could have missed up to two games after the Texas game for an injury. so Concussion? I mean head injury because I mean
0: maybe I'm just guessing.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. When, uh, when he
0: got upended, I thought he was going to leave the game.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of like the McGowan thing. It was it's pretty easy to draw conclusions there to what's happening. But Jeremiah Hall obviously was hurt in that game as well. Isaiah Thomas was. So you have McGowan, um, and then we got a I don't know. And Braden not, Willis
0: has been hurt since, he,
1: and he, he's week to, week to week. What whoever knows what that means? Lincoln told
0: you that you know, uh, Braden got hurt against Kansas State, which he may very well have, but he played against Iowa State. Iowa State's when he got the wind knocked out of him, and he, I haven't seen him since. It was like near the boundary; he got hit right in the chest, and he just kind of got up gingerly. No,
1: he didn't play against Iowa State. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. He played score. so Kansas State is when he hurt his hip, and then he was tweeting again because he had to miss the Missouri State game. Played Kansas State. And then was tweeting during the Iowa State game because remember he sent out the you fans or such fairweather fans or something he sent a tweet out during the fourth quarter of the game and ended up deleting it probably quickly because of what was going to come. But uh, doesn't sound like he's going to be back anytime soon.
0: I don't know what I'm thinking of. I could have swore Braden play had a catch against Iowa State, but it might might have been Kansas State where where I'm thinking where he got up gingerly, never came back. Could have been Jeremiah Hall. You you never know, Brady. I I don't really like to remember Kansas State or Iowa State, so they kind of just meshed together. I'd rather
1: remember those games than the shit show I watched down at the Cotton Bowl.
0: Yeah, fortunately we don't have to talk about that anymore. (laughs) Hopefully, I mean, I'm all for OU getting into the Big 12 Championship this year. I, I would prefer if it's not OU in Texas. Again, we don't need to see that crap.
1: It, yeah, th- it would take a long shot. I need to do the post on the uh, how Oklahoma makes it to the Big 12 Championship game because it is a long, confusing s- scenario. Yeah. And it's weird because OU's only played
0: four games thus far, but mm. this is around like this is around that time where you need to start thinking about scenarios of like, okay, how does OU get into the Big 12 Championship? And not to get too far ahead of ourselves, OU I don't think is anywhere near a conference title attending team whatsoever just because of the inconsistencies across the board. But they certainly have the talent. And if the talent plays according to its talent level, then they are the best team in the big 12. We'll just see against TCU this weekend and Fort Worth, 11 a.m. kickoff. If they're putting the pieces together properly and progressing at the state that you want them to basically just capitalizing off the momentum from the overtime. We've talked about that on the Thursday pod about, does Spencer play like Spencer Rattler in overtime, or does he play like kind of the I'm going to lock on to you half the time, I'm going to uh, not see this linebacker dropping back in coverage, a little careless with the ball a handful of times. But unfortunately for OU, he can make one or two bad plays, and it's
1: detrimental to them. Absolutely detrimental. And it's this is not a game that Oklahoma needs to – TCU does not need to stay in this game because Max Duggan – and I know I've made this comment about Spencer Rattler and going up to Ames, but yeah, I know as Max Duggan in his second year. He is stubborn enough to think that he is good enough to go win this game against Oklahoma. I mean, that's the kind of player he is. He's has obviously has a ton of confidence. You can see it on tape. You saw it in the Texas game. Um, obviously struggled against Kansas State. If someone would freaking put that game up on YouTube, I could tell you a reason why that happened, but no one wants to do that. And then, but Spencer, um, I mean, he has to play turnover-free football. And according to him today, he's trying to do his best to make sure that he doesn't turn the ball over ever again. So hopefully for yours and everybody else's sake that he's able to do as such and can accomplish that. But I'm going to say that that isn't likely. And this game is going to test him. If you don't think Gary Patterson is going to be dropping defensive ends into coverage every other time Oklahoma passes the football, I mean – what, what, what? Why would he not do that? I mean, there's nothing that that Spencer has shown through three games that he's going to be able to pick that stuff up at all. And yeah. I, it's it's because he's young. I mean, he's going to get it eventually. But right now, heading into a game like this, I mean, from what we've seen, he's going to have to grow up from being a – you know, borderline great to elite quarterback in college football to being the best quarterback in college football. I mean, that's the step. That's the step we're talking about here. Like he is close to being on that great cusp, being elite quarterback to being the best quarterback in college football. It's just taking that step from that one to the next one. And obviously I think he's great in the media. I think he was a little more confident today than he's typically been. I guess that's what happens when you go down there and beat Texas. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I mean, this g I you know, most times I, I I don't really point the finger to the quarterback and except for last year about six, seven times after the Kansas State game. But I mean, I think this game is all revolves around how Spencer Rattler plays down in Fort Worth. I didn't feel that way in Ames. I didn't feel that way against Kansas State. I didn't feel that way against Texas. Um but I mean it's gonna be all it's gonna be all up to him this week. And we'll see, you know, if he can play turnover free football, if he can play smart football, because G Pat, it's coming for him. You yeah. know he is.
0: Well, we don't need to get too far in the weeds with the TCU matchup just yet because that's that. We'll say that for Thursday at Vanessa House at five thirty. So again, a come reminder. Check us out. Yeah, a reminder to our friends if you want to come out and say hi. Maybe we'll let you jump on the pod and scream a cuss word into the microphone. Well, I don't care. Uh, we'll be at Vanessa five thirty for the OU TCU matchups pod. But I'll I'll disagree with you, but I'll agree with you because Lincoln won't do this. But if OU just runs the ball, if they run the if they run the football well and continue to run the football well, I mean Spencer's not going to be put in a position where he's going to be able to make those two detrimental mistakes. You know, why was OU able to win against Texas? Why were they in position? Why were they up thirty-one seventeen in the first place in the fourth quarter? You know, and should have just won the game in regulation. It's because they run the football well. Why did they lose those games against Iowa State? And Kansas State for a multitude of reasons, some of them defensively, of course. But Spencer was put into a position that he's basically not ready for, and that that's not a criticism. That's just he was making his second and third start of his college career. He was put in a position uh, basically because his defense let him down, and because they couldn't run the football. So if they can run the football on on Saturday, relatively well, getting Seth McGowan back, uh, getting TJ Pledger. Going off of that momentum, and then of course, like you said on Thursday, adding Chris Murray to the fold on the offensive line, and if the offensive line is able to continue their play from Texas on, they'll they'll be able to run the football, and that'll that will be Spencer Rattler's best friend, not Austin Stogner, not Theo East, but being able to run the damn ball.
1: I think that yes, but to your point, and I you've heard me say this a lot in the last two weeks. Why can they not run the football? without having two tight ends on the line of scrimmage. You heard me ask the question to Austin Stogner today. Guess what do you think I've found on tape the last two weeks? He doesn't block that well as being an inline tight end. And um, I don't get why Oklahoma didn't get him away from Joseph Osai. Because if you look at the end of the game, there was running holes perfectly fine for the running backs to run through. And then number 18 is matched up against number 46. And number 46, a really good football player. Yeah. And uh, he was able to knock Austin Stogner off the ball a little bit. So, But they still haven't been able to run the football whenever they're not, you know, in a two tight end set, really. Or if they have an H back in the backfield and then a tight end on the line of scrimmage. I mean, it's just weird. And does Chris Murray alleviate that? When As the year progresses, can Oklahoma run the football better with Chris Murray in there, out of ten personnel or just eleven personnel, with one tight end on the field, um, or if they have two tight ends, they're both lined up out wide, which they've shown they will, they will do that. Yeah. Um, just the whole running the football thing this year has been so weird. I mean, you just yeah. How
0: you, much of it is the offensive line? How much of it is the experienced running backs? How much of it is not having Ramondre Stevenson or Kennedy Brooks in the fold? Like the does Kennedy Brooks mask a lot of these problems?
1: I don't think. K- now I don't th- think Kennedy n- Now does. this goes into a prior argument about seven months ago. But, <laughs> um, I mean, I truly feel as if like the r- offensive line's inconsistency has provided problems for the running backs and their trust in their eyes. Now I pointed out a couple times in the Texas game where Marcus Major missed a huge cutback lane. That had been a, probably a six, seven-yard gain opposed to getting hit at the line of scrimmage. And then, uh, you know, a couple times where, you know, either the run wasn't blocked well or Marcus Major, or, you know, didn't have the giddy-up that Seth McGowan has or, you know, this or that. Um, But, yeah, it's just – it's so weird. Like, you would think that with this group and the, the size of this group that pass protection would be a much more problem than the running game, and it's the exact opposite. And I don't – Know why that is. Obviously, Lincoln and them are searching every week. They're asked about it. They say the same thing every single week, and we keep asking the same question. Can this be my Tuesday minute of venting of about the questions that are asked? Of but course. No, I, again, I just don't. It doesn't make much sense to me. It, you know, you watch it, and you watch it, and you watch it, and either A, they're not blocking it right, or B, they're not getting a push. And if you got to be consistent in both of those things – in order for the running backs to get a better feel for it. I mean, at the end of the game on that one of those runs, you know, on the third to last drive I've talked about a lot where they Rattler took the sack against Texas, like Pledger got hit in the backfield on one of the runs, able to get a first down out of it, was able to get three, four yards, get a first down. The other big run that he had, he had to jump over a guy that was in the middle of the hole and then go on take off for 30 yards. So it wasn't like that it was blocked, just all this great, dandy, whatever, um, it really wasn't, and it just you know it's it's going to be interesting. To your point, when what you were saying about just if they were able to run the football, Kansas State's defensive line's not that great. Corey Bethley is a name from recruiting past that if you follow recruiting, you know who that is. Former guy from the Houston area that Oklahoma was recruiting. Um, so that front's not that good, but they weren't able to run the football in Missouri State either, or Kansas State, or Iowa State, or. Texas for most of that game. Now Texas has some better players, and um, did you notice uh, Alfred Collins in there at all? That yeah. guy. Oh, oh, oh yeah. But uh, but again, I just I don't know. It's can they get it going without running two tight ends? Brady. I mean, I think that's the ultimate question. Can the five guys up front create enough of a push for Oklahoma to run the football?
0: It, well. Bill Beambo, it's not like we haven't seen a situation where he makes one one person a one player change and it drastically improves the offensive line.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think reading your articles on Chris Murray, seeing the tape that you showed me, I think what I can say for with full confidence is, I don't know, if, I don't know if he's going to be that much of improvement on was it Tyrese Robinson was that who he'd be taking? Yeah, either him or Hayes. Or Hayes. I don't know if he's going to be a vast improvement, but one thing I do know is. I like his physicality much better, his point of attack much better than what I've seen. He
1: just beats the shit out yeah, of Yeah,
0: and I think that that will have a trickle-down effect in that it helps out Creed Humphrey, who doesn't have to hedge uh, a guy that he's not necessarily responsible for on that play because Marquise or um, Robinson aren't getting their man down to his liking. So if that's the case, then the middle of the offensive line should be fine. The tackles have performed very well outside of you know maybe one or two plays in three or four games. And then, of course, the hope is Austin Sogner either improves. But, I mean, Mark Andrews, I mean, early on, I don't remember or recall him ever getting lulled for his awesome blocking. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're talking about a a modern-day tight end, you're basically talking about a big, gigantic wide receiver. He's not fast enough to play wide receiver, but, um, but he's not an old-school tight end that's going to get his nose dirty and get his hands dirty. I mean... I mean, oh, you had to run Mark Andrews. How like how many percentage of his plays lined up with his hand in the ground so he could win the Hendricks Award, and they did that f- solely so he could win the Hendricks Award. Otherwise, he was just a receiver. Yeah. So like, yeah, I'm not looking for Austin Sogner to be a, a an amazing blocker. I, I would hope he is because of his size, but um, we'll see. We'll see. Are you expecting Chris Murray to to start? I mean, because I'm not. Because if if no. Swenson's still rolling out there four games in this season <laughs> to start <laughs> over Anton Harrison, then I'm not going to expect to see Chris Murray on the first drive unless he is that much better.
1: No, he won't. I mean, I think they did so much better in pass protection against Texas in the second half. And, again, you've heard me say this. I think a lot of the credit goes to what Bill Beanbow, because they were picking up a bunch of blitzes really well, and it seems like they were really well coached in that aspect of it. So, um, But, no, Chris Murray – I think he this is a guy that, you know, you got TCU, you have Texas Tech and I believe Kansas and then a bye in the Oklahoma State if I know the schedule right. That Bedlam game if he's not I'd be shocked if he's not starting by that game.
0: Yeah, I mean and again you're going to have all the suspended players back if they allegedly if they are able to return. I mean, Lincoln said on Monday on the Big 12 conference call that there's nothing's changed.
1: Think he started his book yet?
0: I hope so. I'd read it. I haven't read the one that just came out that is a biography, not an autobiography, or not a an, an endorsed copy.
1: I thought that was weird.
0: I mean, that happened with Nick Saban, like a six, seven years ago, like, someone wrote a biography about him, and then he had this whole, like, he got up to the podium, like, for a press conference, and then someone asked him about it, and he just went off on it. He's like, I just don't get why uh, we're going to allow people to write books when they're asking for your good graces and you don't give it to them. And, like, I I don't see, like, what how it's even allowed or how it's official. And it's just, like, you know, he's a control freak, Nick Saban. But that's probably the reason why he's so successful. He has won a
1: national championship, though.
0: He's won a few. He's won quite a few. <laughs> and look, I'm a Dolphins fan, so I shouldn't like Nick Saban. Yeah. But damn it, do I respect that man? Oh I, yeah. I cannot hate on him. I just can't. Now he's he got to beat a the st- sh- He beat the shit out of us in the Orange Bowl a few years ago. I'm just like, I,
1: he's good. He's so good. He. I mean, they have a systemic issue in that secondary, though. It is bad to the bone.
0: Their linebackers aren't very good in coverage either.
1: No, their defense isn't very good. I
0: mean, their defense is just SEC, classic, great defense. So they're prepared to to fight against classic Georgia, who's going to line up and just try to run I-formation, or classic Auburn, who's just going to line up in I-formation, or classic LSU, who's just going to line up in I-formation. They
1: are definitely one of those teams that, if you ask Desmond Howard, he just goes... Hey, they just need—they need to have some more time recruiting. They can't recruit to their system. Needed to stop these offenses. <laughs> um,
0: unfortunately, there's an element of truth that will Desmond Howard actually say that.
1: Desmond no. Howard did say that. Oh, he did. Yeah, oh. last Saturday on College oh, Game Day. Oh, I get no, it. Now. It's only—it'd be crazy, Brady. Only if Alabama recruited better, or m- recruited better players to a sit- You would. Guess my, you guys are hearing the sarcasm of my voice. Alabama should be able to go to a 4 and it's not a big deal. They yeah. bring a safety down and play linebacker every year. We it's just the worst excuse, and I'm about to go on a soap, bucks, but I'm not going
0: please to. Please do, because we can talk about this, because you've been very vocal about it on Twitter. It's like, the air
1: raid! Can we all just agree at, to that? We know where this is going. We know exactly, at least I do. I mean, I guess my biggest just hang t- it p- point is the fact, I mean, the scoring's up in the NFL. The scoring's up in the SEC, scoring's about the same or actually lower in the Big 12 than it typically is. It's like holy shit people. It's like all these people that watch these games, we've been saying it for years. I'm I'm t- I mean, I'm obviously, I'm 24 now. Wow, about screwed that up. But and I've you know been doing this what 3 years with OU, probably 2 years blogging before that, and we've all been saying it from the beginning. This air the air raid is a virus. It enters your conference. And then the the mid-tier and the lesser
0: schools see and, and think, wow, that really evens the playing field for us because we're not going to out-recruit Bama, LSU, or Georgia, but we can out-scheme them. Absolutely. And put their guys, their talented guys on islands in coverage and then get some points.
1: And again, explain to me this. All the apologists for the SEC and all the SEC defense people. I'm not saying that the Big 12, again, I'm not saying that the Big 12 is a better conference than the SEC. It's just a tiresome conversation whenever you talk about bad defenses. Okay, Ole Miss goes and puts up 48 on Alabama. Guess how many points they score on the road at, at Arkansas? How much? I believe like 14, and that's it. I don't have it off the top of my head. But they didn't score jack against a Arkansas defense. And by the way, have you seen the story on this Hudson Clark kid? No. From Arkansas? Defensive back. Um, white defensive back that I get probably why it got so b- such a big oh story oh my god Miley Cyrus is working on a Metallica covers album oh god continue Um, by the way I thought the little cover she did on the other song that popped up on Twitter wasn't bad
0: she's talented but
1: uh, again I, I just have a real issue and continue to to hear all of this excuses this and that whatever okay guess what you want to go stop the air raid just stop worrying about it I think that's what I like the thing with Iowa State, again, no one wants to play John Heacock's defense in the SEC. It's not physical. It's not aggressive. But it's freaking disciplines, assignment sound. We're going to hit you in the mouth whenever we can. Um, no one wants to play that solid of defense. Now, granted, you don't need to play that defense. You just – like, look, I'm not saying Oklahoma is the perfect example. I think Grinch has a the right system. Grinch is gonna, going to get – Oklahoma to a place where it needs to it's be.
0: It's air raid defense is what it is. Yeah,
1: and but again, at the same point, like look at what Georgia did in the second half against Oklahoma. They just said, "All right, uh, I forgot what his name was. We're going to line you right up over Drew Samia, seventy-five on Oklahoma's offensive line, and we want you to run over his ass every single time." Again. That stuff, it worked. I mean, the people just get so they overthink this. Oh, we're going to get, you know, a double move here on the backside going to get us beat. We've got to have safety help. Um, we got to be able to have gap integrity on this pass rush, or this guy gets out of the lane, he's going to smoke us. It's like, yes, the, those things are important. Yeah. But the most important thing is stopping the football. And if you have really good players like Alabama has, you should be should, able to. You should be able to no matter what. And that's again. I, I feel like if people would just come, if Saban would just come out and say, "Man, I we have a tough time dealing with the raid." I mean, Oklahoma, I think runs a power raid, and I, people have heard me say that it's a little bit different. Um, it's probably as complex as any of them. I mean, look at what Leach is doing; he's throwing freaking five yard outs and. Does that mean Florida needs?
0: Hitches. Does that mean Florida needs to run the Gatorade?
1: That was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. No. But that's. I mean, that's all it is. I'm just. I'm past the point of waking up and turning on TV. And I'm not saying I'm going to stop watching college football. I'm not going down that road at all. But my whole point is is that it's so tiring continuing to hear these guys try to shove this idea down people's throats that this is just bad defense. Like, no, it isn't. It's, it's not. I mean, defense can be played at a high level against these offenses. We have seen it. It just takes you guys just saying, F you, we don't care about your offense. We're going to go play defense. We're going to do it our way. You think Chris Kleiman and Kansas State do anything that's significant, significant, significantly complex? Holy crap. <laughs> no, they don't. They just line up in a 4-2-5, sometimes in a dime package in a 4-1-6, and they just get after it. White yep. Hubert just gets after it for four quarters, by the way. Love watching that guy play football. I know you were a little low on him whenever Oklahoma played, but damn, he's good.
0: No, he's he's good. I just... I thought it was just the one name people knew from Kansas state. So that's why anybody would talk about like, Oh yeah, Kansas state, that guy. And it's like, well, I mean, sure, but not one guy's going to beat OU. I mean, it it just took a third string, fourth string cornerback to uh, beat OU apparently now for Alabama. I think you, I think you just need to be aware that gone are the days where you're shutting guys out or you're, you're dominating them. Because, like, like, what they win?
1: 41 42-25. 20, 42, 25. 42
0: tw- No, they didn't score at all. Georgia didn't score at I all. I thought it was
1: tw- maybe 24-25.
0: That's a dominant win. Now, when you watch it start to finish, you, you will have a better understanding that, no, it, it was actually a little bit closer, and then Alabama took it away in the second half. Overall, a dominant performance by Alabama for winning an entire half. But you can say the same thing about a handful of OU games in the late 2000s, the year 2010s, where you watch the entire game, OU has dominated this opponent start to finish, but the fourth quarter they gave up like 17 points because the scrubs were out there, because the opponent was still playing at a high level, and OU was just kind of coasting. And when your defense is out there for over a hundred snaps, you know fatigue will set in, no matter how well conditioned you are. So it's this is just natural; it's a natural thing. The air raid is going to you—you you are not going to shut out your opponent or hold them to ten or thirteen or seventeen points a game anymore. Like you're just not going to.
1: No, it's. I mean, that's, there's it's, nothing it's wrong valid. with that. Yeah, and it's like even in the NFL, like all these NFL fans are talking about the defenses in the NFL, and it's like, guys, we've seen this. Football games can be won 40 to 30. It can happen. It's okay. Everything's going to be okay. You guys got those guys are really good athletes still. It
0: might be a tough journey to get there. You know, you might lose like a few years off your life expectancy if you're, you know, rooting for the team that ultimately wins that game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just OU in conference since, you know, since Lincoln's been here. It's been a fucking circus. It,
1: 5 years has felt like 50 years at this point. Yeah. And uh
0: it just depends on how you look at it. OU Alabama, you know, whatever you we were talking about. They win the vast majority of their games. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a 5 or a 10, even a 20 year span. But if you look at each game individually, it's like, you know, some of those games were
1: ugh, it was a, absolutely
0: a, a heart attack. Now 20
1: There's, I mean if things go heading in the direction, I know so Ole Miss scored 21 points, but you also have to remember Ole Miss offensively had like five more possessions than Arkansas because of uh, two or three pick sixes by Matt Corral, who is the latest SEC quarterback to get on this vaunted pedestal that, oh my God, Matt Corral is going to be the next big thing and then just goes to Fayetteville and gets crushed. Um,
0: well, was that Bo Nix? Was he the original holder of that? Bo
1: Nix is up there, and then... Bo um, Nix is
0: great value, Sam Ellinger.
1: <laughs> he's bad. He's really bad. But he was an um, Auburn fan, Keegan. And then KJ Costello, was after beating LSU, was put on this pedestal.
0: I, I will say for Mississippi State, you know, we talked about how everybody has the disadvantage of COVID, so don't use it as an excuse, but I, I would say that one school that could have used a spring and a summer and a normal fall camp to implement a brand new system like the Air sure. Raid. It, Mississippi State, K.J. Costello probably screwed more than most programs across the country. I
1: mean, he's looked like... Dog sh- crap. Yeah, terrible though. And, and A&M
0: gave them so many opportunities to win that game. Absolutely. And it was just bad quarterback play.
1: Oh, for sure. And uh, But yeah, no, just to wrap this all up, it's just a tire. I mean, you see it every time you turn on... You know, I'm not saying it's all ESPN because it's not. I mean, you go to any major college football writer or whatever, they're talking about the bad defense that's in the SEC. Okay, then why can't – why – why? and this is me definitely, you know, screaming at cloud guy, whatever that is. (laughs) It's like, why was it called just Big 12 defenses are bad and then now that the SEC defenses are there, they've got to recruit better players, you got to make excuses for COVID. Well, no, well, the offenses are having the same issues. And then – um, as well as the guys just don't look like they're committed to play. That was, by the way, love me some Kirk Herbstreit. I still think he's one of the best to do it. Yeah. Um, but he's the one that he pulled the The guys don't look like they're committed this year in the SEC. Well, it's like I, I guess I'd say, first of all,
0: again, we just I just said it like don't use it as a, an excuse. But it's so hard to like really look at this year as a normal year. I mean I mean Nick Benito told you guys before the bye week, like, yeah, we know what's at stake. We know we can't really do we can't really go anywhere. So it's what are these players' mindsets? Like they don't get to have the normalcy of college life. They don't get to go let off some steam by going out and hanging out with their friends at a bar or a restaurant or whatever. I mean, that adds up. I mean, just look at the, the NBA bubble. There's a reason why, and I just heard this on the Zach Lowe podcast, I had actually forgotten about this whole thing. There's a reason why the NBA didn't test for pot in the bubble. Because they understood, if we're basically going to imprison our players in, in one location for three months, especially if they keep going in the playoffs, well, we got to give up some things. I mean, we're not going to like we'll let you have some. The vices. NBA,
1: the NBA, did, I, so they're not on board with the MLB and NFL.
0: With what in terms the, of
1: what they, the MLB and NFL don't test for marijuana,
0: the NBA still does. The NBA does. Yeah, and if, I thought the NFL still does. I don't think they do anymore. anymore. Well, their collective. Ab- the collective bargaining agreement is coming up for the NBA, so yeah, probably, that'll be off the. That's that is definitely going. to – I mean, because the NBA, like their players' union, get shit done, unlike the NFL or Major League Baseball.
1: We want. I don't want to have a conversation <laughs> about my, my
0: my PA group, but
1: uh, I mean,
0: like all those little things will add up, and it's, it, like some things are going to look weird, especially if let let's say next season is completely normal. Fans are in the stands. We've got a vaccine. We're able to go back to normal life. Uh, teams have had spring, summer, and fall, and then Alabama just goes back to their usual kick-ass self. Then it's like, yeah, you can look back then and say, mm, "Not a, not a, it's an outlier of a season." I'm not going to use that as a sample.
1: Sure. Yeah, it can be. You know, one of two ways. It can be where, okay, wow, this is actually really fun football. Like, did you ever? Okay, I'm asking the wrong person. How, is there not joy in watching a 41-24, which was what the final score in Alabama Georgia game? Yeah, the off defense gave up a couple. They made a couple bad mistakes. They made a couple bad plays. But I think Devonte better- Smith is just mossing people the entire time. Like how how do you not find as much joy in that than watching a ninety-six football game between the number one and number two team in the country?
0: I mean, so many so many things go into, like, whenever – because saying that that was a great football game is so –
1: Like uh, the game Saturday or the 9-6 to game?
0: Well, just just saying that was such a great game, like any game, because I remember w- people still think that the 08-OU Texas game was the best OU Texas game of all time, and it was incredibly entertaining. 45-35, number one versus number five, Colt McCoy, Sam Bradford, OU's offense – Texas' defense, there were stars all over the place, NFL players all over the place, Bob Seuss, Mac Brown, like you name it. It had everything that makes OU Texas great. And it's great if you're a Texas fan, it's it's entertaining and great if you're a casual football watcher and you're watching that game. But to me, it's just like, oh, you gave up 45 points. I, like it, it gets to a point where okay this this has turned into a video game this is not a great football game I guess to me it's like 3124 is a great football game like there's enough scoring there's enough big plays there's also a lot of great defensive playing defensive stops like I kind of like to, last year's OU team was kind of fun to me because a lot of those games went that way
1: yeah there was some good offensive plays. There was some really good defensive plays. Now, and a lot of that was... Awful decision-making. Yeah, a, a lot of that hurts. was spurned
0: on by some inability on offense. But, you some. Know, so, so, again, there are so many factors. God, and it's, just say it. <laughs> it's not that hard to
1: say. feels great to say.
0: I uh, Speaking of, I was flipping through the channels, and I this is the one time I wanted to listen to Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp after the Dallas Cowboys performance last night. And I, I caught it as they were talking about CeeDee Lamb, and Skip Bayless said, 2019... OU only had one receiver, and it was CD Lamb, and they trip. He got triple team every single game, and he still put up numbers. And I just thought, if Keegan's watching this, he's gonna be so angry. <laughs> I mean, it's like there the were all- there were times where CD Lamb was not covered. <laughs> yeah, no, there was, and then there that there was also there times, was a lack of covering. Yeah,
1: and then there was also times where he was just catching five yard hitch routes and just running by everybody for a touchdown. I mean, two of those touchdowns or I guess
0: that third touchdown he got against Texas was a bad decision. It was a bad throw. Jalen was backing up, threw it off of his yeah. back foot, and threw it into coverage. Yeah,
1: and CD made a play, C. made a guy rub, got a guy off of him, and then ran in for a touchdown. No, the fact that CD Lamb got Jalen Hurts to the Heisman ceremony last year deserves its own plaque at, at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. Like, if you have, like, Jalen has his little All-American plaque that they have outside on the um, – on the bricks on the outside wall at the stadium, under under when it says Jalen with all the, his All American or Heisman runner up one, it should have a little credit CD Lamb next to it. <laughs> uh, no, it's a, it's, I, it, a, it's a
0: team sport, Keegan.
1: I mean, but the guy's stats was so inflated because he was throwing these little hitch and out routes, and CD was just running by everybody. But that's not here. It's not. It is a not a bye week. That would have been a great bye week rant. I actually was curious. You heard a little bit today about Woody Washington. I know we'll get more into the TCU game on Thursday. Yeah, I think he's
0: one of the players you're talking to tomorrow, right? I could be wrong. I didn't. I could have swore he said Woody Washington, Isaiah Thomas. After the wrong.
1: after the last question, I was kind of done, which we haven't discussed that yet. <laughs> but uh, nah, we don't need to either. But no, I I'm at a uh, an interesting place, and I want you. To get, I want to get your perspective on this. Are we past the point where everybody's getting their eligibility back, play everybody, they play this, play that? Oh, like, he doesn't
0: have any COVID issues as of right now. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. And my, my question and my mm-hmm. perspective on this is, is, like, do you, how long do you let this go? Because if TCU is smart, they're just going to line up a fullback on the right side of the field or whichever one Buki Radley-Hiles is lined up on, and they're just going to run QB power that way. If they're going to run a pass play, they're going to try to get Patrick Fields in man-on-man, and if, if they if they get that matchup, they're just going to throw it to that guy. I mean, that, there is only two more. There is – I think Buki was fine against Texas for the most part.
0: but He wasn't targeted
1: that much. Mu- no, not as much as he should
0: have N- been. As, yeah, not as much as I would if I'm in Texas, but yeah, I'm not and, term Yeah.
1: <laughs> I can go in on Tom Herman still about that game. But uh but again, how long do you let this go on? Man, I know I'm, I I want to ask somebody is going to ask that question, especially if this persists. If you get another for,
0: situation where it's warranted, I think you should ask.
1: I don't know. I think I've already ruffled the feathers a little bit more than I probably should have.
0: You're the media, you're supposed to ruffle the feathers, Keegan.
1: People were people were They're mad not, that people were mad that we didn't ask about the suspended players today. Look at what precedent I we set.
0: Well, I mean, he got asked about it on Monday.
1: I know, people are ridiculous.
0: But uh, um no. Let me remind everybody that I have forgiven Bob Stoops. Um, you know, Mike's players, yeah, they they are what they are. I, I, I truly think, you know, going back to the whole can't make an excuse because of COVID, but let's make an excuse. <laughs> I truly think that there is something to be said about all these young players that were clamoring for either more playing time or for them to see the field. Mm-hmm. I think not having an off season probably affects that more than fans would want, fans would want more than the media would want, because Trey Brown, Patrick Fields, like they have their deficiencies. Buki has his deficiency, sure, but they're at least physically ready for this game. I don't know if Josh Eden is. I don't even know if Woody Washington is uh, for a for the majority of the game. I can
1: watch I you can watch two snaps from Joshua Eaton against Texas and you can know he's not ready.
0: Yes. I think that was a not to say that he doesn't have a higher ceiling than whoever else, not to say that Woody Washington isn't going to be a better corner than than uh, Trey Brown or anything. I think like I mean
1: that. Woody the conversation with Woody Washington is moot to me. He's he's your starting corner. He's also had a year under yeah, his belt. Yeah, he he's your starting cornerback. Yeah. It's just it's the, the other two positions. How long does this persist? I mean, because you do have a Big 12 championship streak riding on this year, whether it has an asterisk next to it or not.
0: Yeah. I mean... Well, how much of this is spurned on by, at this point in his career? He could he could turn the corner at, at some point, but at this point in his career, Jeremiah Crudell is somewhat of a bust. Sure. In terms of the hype he got around uh, during his recruitment, his commitment and it's like this is a step in the right direction for OU defensively, and he just hasn't been able to be on the field at that position.
1: Now, he's a second-year guy. He was with Woody Washington, correct?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he has time, but again... Yes, yeah, so I'm not saying he's a bust overall. Yeah. At this point, we he, his contributions have been on special teams.
1: Yeah. Well, he made a, he was a good in coverage one time last week against Texas when he got an opportunity. Now, I just don't know, again, like it's kind of the thing I was saying is like, how long does this persist? How long until Jeremiah Cordell is splitting snaps with Buki? Because those two guys play the most snaps. Um my theory is that Josh Eden got playing time on Saturday against Texas just so Oklahoma can save freshman play in their system. But that's uh, here nor there. That's I think that damage was damage control, damage yeah, control. I, yeah, that's what I think that Game was. Game is relatively in hand, throw them out there. Yeah, and uh so again, I just I don't know if they have an answer. I don't know if it's Trey Norwood for Patrick Fields. I don't know if it's Jeremiah Cradell for Buki radley Hiles. It's not Trey Norwood either because what nah. you said about Buki. If I see Trey
0: Norwood out there, I'm like, all right. If he lines up closer to the line of scrimmage, run it his way because now he's he not played physical. well against Texas. He plays well in coverage. Like he's he's a step above Trey Brown in terms of his coverage because originally he was a cornerback. Mm. I have no problem with him necessarily in coverage. But he is not a very physical player, and a lot of it has to stem from the fact that I am, I am bigger than him. He's one of the few players I've ever interviewed, and I am not only taller than him, but I am bigger than him. I'm 178. You never pounds.
1: interviewed Buki, did you?
0: No, he was a freshman. The one, <sighs> the three times I went to do OU stuff.
1: Awesome, uh, awesome dude, though. I mean, I, I like that dude is going to do such big things in life. Like that's what. I I get the hate for him. I, I understand it. This is big. This is professional football in the state of Oklahoma. I completely get it. But again, I, he and Patrick Fields too his Pat Fields too, to a certain extent, like both those guys are going to be doing a hell of a lot more than I ever, I'm ever going to do in my life. Like those dudes are awesome human beings. Granted result as Galo Scrinch will always come back to He'll say all that stuff and then we'll immediately come back. And I'm just going to say it here. It's a results oriented business. I mean, you got to get the job done. If you yeah. can't, if you can't get, the, if you can't get the job done, we got to find someone that can. And how long do you have to fail at your job before you get replaced? Well, I mean, what did Grinch
0: tell you guys last week? And where he basically threw Patrick Fields and Trey Brown under the bus uh, without saying their names.
1: I don't know if that's who they were talking about. I think I have you another. I have another player in. Well, mind.
0: Ag- again, like you and I watched the Iowa State game together. And what did I continuously say when Patrick Fields would get a ball thrown to him and he wouldn't catch it? Like, dude, that's a captain.
1: Yep. I agree with you.
0: Like that, that's a captain. And it's very apparent that Patrick Fields is a captain because of a lot of the things that you just mentioned. Like that guy is incredibly intelligent. Um, he's incredibly articulate. That that guy is going to do a lot of great things after his football career is over. And unfortunately, in my opinion, it's going to be over fairly soon. But He's not a captain because of what he's been able to do on the field because even last year where the safety started to play well, th- our opinion of playing well at OU from the in the secondary is just not getting burned, not we don't have that many memories of you chasing a guy as he's running into the end zone. So Patrick Fields can play at a solid level. He's just not going to make any game-breaking plays. He's not going to like rise above any like some adversity and make a, a game breaking tackle or create a turnover. He's just not going to do that. Like at this point, he's just not going to do that. And Grinch was just like, you can't be a captain and expect uh, your teammates to play at a high level and then you go out there and you don't do it. I
1: don't think that's Pat because I think Pat's too quiet. That was my, Chisholm asked me about that yesterday. I don't think that was more Pat. I think that may have been directed at 44 and 23. Also true. Because I think there's been a lot of talking from Deshaun White this year. Another guy that obviously I have a lot of respect for. But there's been a lot of talk this year about Deshaun White, from Deshaun White, about being a leader, being this, being that. Well, buddy, I mean, I hate to be this way, but the way you played against Texas, you play like that again? You're the, not going to be playing very much longer at the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, and
0: unfortunately, the reason why you and I can't sit here and say, man, the linebackers have been just as good as the defensive line is because of Deshaun White. Brian Asamoah has made mistakes. David Aguebu has made mistakes. Brian, Brian moa
1: me- is like, you want to talk about an inch close to being like a dude. An all-conference like, type an, player. An NFL potential NFL draft guy. It's, it's like inches. I mean, yeah. talking about it's just... The, what
0: I'm saying is Deshaun White has made the most glaring mistakes Absolutely. compared to, compared to his other linebacker brethren on this team.
1: Now it was one bad tackle against Iowa State. I can everybody remembers it, mm-hmm. but the Texas stuff was just bad. I mean, he looked out of shape. He looked like he didn't know which, well, you know, where he was supposed to be doing what he was supposed to be doing, where he was supposed to be going at times, and. You know, of all the plays that probably pissed Alex French off the most, it was probably the where he was spying and got and he got too close, close yeah. yeah, and ended up costing Oklahoma about almost a touchdown, or early on in the game. Just like the Iowa State game, if you take away the two, if you if you get two more tackles out of Pat Fields and the two tackles from Buki Radley Hiles out of uh, the passes, if Deshaun White makes a couple tackles against Texas, Oklahoma wins that game comfortably like and it's not even just 3117 it may have been like 31 to 10 like it could have been a beat down like yeah. if he just makes a couple more plays so you know it's a uh, yeah again it's how long does this persist I, and i think uh, from what you hear from grinch now i think that that's kind of where he's at it's like how all right how much longer am i going to let this leash go like cuz it's it's getting real getting real long like i'm about to cut you off and uh I just don't know if he has the option. I, I think if I if now you, if I think Bryson Washington's completely screwed his opportunity, and that's not just me saying that, that's from me yeah. hearing about it. Um
0: I think if they lose another game, which they could this Saturday, they they could the following Saturday. We'll get into
1: that on Thursday.
0: Oh yeah. I think that's where you can kind of go, all right, shield this season and develop and get ready for next year. Mm-hmm. Especially with the guys that are you're gonna be riding with for the next two to three years and not the guys that have been making the same damn mistakes for the last three years Mm -hmm. to continue.
1: Yeah I mean again I it's not how do I say this it's not just the awful glaring and I guess we hold Oklahoma's defense based off what we saw in 2019 to a higher standard which is what we should do in 2020 but and if they want to get to the point where they want
0: to be like it has to be because the defense reaches a a different level. The offense is not very great right now, but we all expect it and give it the benefit of the doubt to be great. For sure. Either at the end of this year or next year. Defense, we can't do that.
1: But, like, that's another thing, too, is that, yeah, there's probably six, seven plays here or there that resemble the past defenses. But, man, it is a long way. It seems like a long way since 2017 and 2018 happened, which I think that could make people a little bit more comfortable at night knowing that this defense doesn't look the way it did across no, the doubt. board no no that's why I, that's why one of the few reasons
0: why Alex Grinch you know even a year and four games under his belt is OU's D- DC I'm like no he's the guy like he if if he's able to stay here like he, he will give OU maybe not a, an 85 Bears defense but he'll give OU a defense that is not a detriment to this team overall I think at the very least. Well,
1: heck, if you want to look back on two years so far, I mean, I'd say the offense has been the detriment of the defense. And Now, I know analytically speaking that that's not the truth. But, again, when we're talking about Oklahoma having the 2018 offense being the highest-rated analytical offense in the history of football, college football, I mean, if they can just even just sniff that with the defense they have now, I mean, they're probably a really good football team. The offense hasn't been up to snuff, and the defense has been really bad for one quarter each game. One really bad. One really oh bad. Oh, my God, bad quarter. Yeah. Um, they're just
0: – OU is at a point where their offense isn't experienced enough and the defense, whether it's fatigue because they're just not as conditioned as they should be this point in the year because of not having an off season, or if they have some experience themselves, like they're just – you know, if they were up 38-17, sure, but they're up 31-17. If they were up 35-7 instead of 28-7 against Kansas State, the, the game's over. If they score that touchdown that Obi-Obiallo dropped on that rope that Spencer Rattler threw to him, mm-hmm. maybe OU beats Iowa State. And th- this will be my last This will be my last thing for you. And you don't, we don't have to get that long into it. But um, as we prepare for TCU, the TCU pod on Thursday, and then, of course, the game on Saturday, Keegan – how do you view OU? Because obviously you beat Texas, you get reinvigorated as a fan. No matter how bad Texas is, it's always fun to beat them. And in the fashion that they did, it was exciting, you know, overtime game. But I kind of am more of the I'm of more of the side where I'm looking at OU as a one and two team. I don't count I don't give a crap about the Missouri State game. And they've basically only beaten the worst team on their schedule, and it took them four overtimes to do it. You know, if I look at them that way, I don't feel confident about TCU. I don't feel even confident about Texas Tech, who should have beaten Texas. Um, I think that that's unfair because I'm discounting an entire game.
1: Yeah, they're two and no, two. Sure, they. It's not even just the Missouri State game. I mean, throw that out. Throw that. Throw that game in the trash. Burn it. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Yep. Yeah. Um,
0: but Texas, would you say they're worse than Iowa State? Uh, you've Kansas heard State?
1: me. I mean, you know my opinion on this. It's not on the where am I at with Oklahoma, just more of the fact that I thought they played worse on Saturday against Texas than they did against Kansas State or Iowa State. I mean, again, you're talking about three plays in the Kansas State game, and you're talking about six tackles in the Iowa State game. Outside of those two things... Yeah, I think that's fair. Oklahoma's pretty damn good football team in both those games.
0: you was sloppy outside of the running game in the first half, and even the running game had a key fumble.
1: And then against Texas, I mean, they just, again... I think a lot of the success – now, granted, there was the way Nick Benito was playing, the way Isaiah Thomas played, the way the defensive line really played. I mean, you can go down the list. Jordan Kelly played really well. Corey Roberson was visible. Perion Winfrey was, vis- was made a bunch of plays. LaRon Stokes played well. I mean, I can go on and on about the defensive line. But, again, my biggest thing right now for this Oklahoma team is that how far away are you from playing 11-man football? That was going to be my question today because it seems like the defensive line's been really good. It seems like the H-backs have been really, really good. They've been up to par. But again, how close is Oklahoma to playing all 11 men men on one side of the ball whenever they're out there? How close are they to playing really good good together? And I think my biggest thing about this team moving forward is can the little things that need to happen in a football game to win it? When to go win a game on the road against TCU. To go blow out a Texas Tech on the road. To beat Oklahoma State at home. Again, you look at different things throughout the week. You go to the Texas game, right? Like, obviously we were expecting Spencer Rattler to have a turnover or two. I mean, it's it's OE Texas. Kyler Murray's did it. Baker Mayfield's done it. Jalen Hurts has done it. Everybody's done it. But now you're going into a game against TCU, against an offense that's going to play ball control away from you, that is going to have an offensive system that's going to be designed to attack you at your weaknesses, and then you talk about going up against a secondary that's really good, and Gary Patterson, who's going to, disi- to 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 disguise all sorts of coverages against you this week, which is something that he doesn't typically have to do. Uh, I, I, to your point, I, and I, I know I'm long-winded on this, and I just want to finish it up with this. I think Oklahoma's to Lincoln Riley's point. I think he's close. I think they are close, which that then leads to me to what I said before that I think Oklahoma's closer to being 3 and 0 in conference than Texas being 3 and 0 in conference.
0: Oh, well, how about this? Are they closer are, are they closer to being viewed as a
1: they should be a 3 and 0 team or
0: no, they're a 1 and 2 team? <laughs> and they've only beaten the worst team on their schedule, and it took them
1: four overtimes to do. Like which Which side of that? I th- I, I'm i definitely, as, as you can hear, I'm definitely more in the middle. But I think, again, you're talking about a very minute. I mean, you go, like I said, a Kansas State game, it was uh, you know mixed up on defense, coverages, assignments, whatever. Kansas State, or Iowa State, tackling. Oak, Texas, I mean, if you want to get to the brunt of it, Lincoln Riley's play calling in the fourth quarter. Everybody's had a hand in this thing. Yeah. I mean, there is no one... That is that it can shy away from blame. You're next, to, Kale Gundy. Yeah, <laughs> well, when Lincoln has COVID and he has to be the head coach. <laughs> oh,
0: well, I hope that doesn't happen. No,
1: I'm just saying in general. But, again, t- I, to answer your question, I, I think Oklahoma's close. Do I think that they figure that out this weekend? Have to find out on Thursday. Yes, sir.
0: And with that, we will end this. In this circus. I'm just kidding.
1: Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside
0: OU podcast. Keegan, thank you once again. And everybody, like I said, Patreon page is up there for you all to find easy. Keegan and I pump it out every other day on Twitter. Just ask us if you're interested $4 a month or $5 a month. Please rate and review the podcast. Otherwise, we appreciate everybody listening, having a good time, enjoying it. And then, of course, you can always ask us questions on Twitter if you want to hear something special. I'm sure we'll listen, but until then, on Thursday again, Thursday, 5:30, Vanessa, uh, Vanessa House Beer Company. Uh, let's see, 10th or it's Broadway and Eighth. Eighth, it's Broadway and Eighth. It's Broadway and Eighth. It's downtown OKC. Come out and say hi. Have a good time. They'll take care of you like they always take care of us. But until next time, everybody, y'all have a good one and boomer sooner.